Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Philly is a tough city. Um, you know, they're going to tell you why it is and, you know, I love it. like Philadelphia because they care. Hello and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. It's the Sixers show. It's Chris Ryan and Raheem Palmer after a nail-biting, hair-graying, blood pressure-raising game four at the Wells Fargo Center. The Sixers win it in overtime by a James Harden three-pointer. Raheem, it is good to see you, man. How are you doing on this Sunday? That was incredible. <laughs> I mean, it's just an incredible <laughs> game. I mean... We had everything that you could possibly have in, you know, one game. So um, I'm excited the Sixers got the win. <laughs> I think I figured out how they're going to win this series, man. I think I got the secret. What's it's the secret? Get it, really, get it really close in crunch time and let Joe Missoula not call timeouts. <laughs> Joe Missoula might be the third best Sixer. <laughs> See, I'm always torn on that on that now because it seems like nobody calls timeout and crush time because nobody wants to go up against a set defense. So it's no, just, you're right. It's, I mean, I think he's, it's obviously now it's almost like a, a meme or something like that, where it's like, Joe's going to let him play, but he, he let him play in over in regular and in, in the fourth quarter and he let him play in overtime. And as you've pointed out in previous podcasts, I've seen it a bunch on Twitter. The Celtics have just a really rough postseason crunch time, you know, juju going like they just sometimes like that just really tightens up and their kind of randomness that they like to employ and their read offense doesn't always 
work out when, when, when it gets really tight down at, at the bottom of the game. Raheem, we can start. Why don't we start with Harden? And then we can talk about like kind of the, the minute by minute of the last uh, few minutes of the game there. Um, Harden comes back and completely redeems himself. Well, completely. I mean, he completely redeems himself in this series. The two games that we've won in this series have been Harden games. Tonight, he had 42 points, eight boards, nine assists, and a game-winning three-pointer. How is it for you? Like, is it is it just like feast or famine with this dude? Like, do you forgive him when this happens? Are you just like, I guess he is like the ex-MVP and he still is a top 10 player in this league? Or are you just, are you trying to pump the brakes a little bit and see what he gives you in game five? See, this is tough for me because, you know, I mean, you know, I've been saying all year, he has to be 2000 to 2002 Kobe Bryant. Like, I've, I've, I've always felt like he was our most important player. And, you know, when you look at, you know, Shaq, he won with Penny, Kobe Bryant, and D-Wade. And I felt like Embiid is not going to win unless he gets that same production from a perimeter player. And... You know, I think the difference in Harden today was that he was aggressively looking for his shot. It felt like in game three, it just felt like he was just looking to overpass. And with him overpassing, he was turning the ball over. He wasn't looking for a shot. He wasn't aggressive. He was missing, you know, shots inside of five feet. And it's just like, to me, I don't care if you go, you know, like 10 for 31. But I need you yeah. to be aggressively looking for your shot. And I think he did that today, and the shots fell. Um, and, you know, he was six for nine for three. I think he's going to be feast or famine from behind the arc. But the more important thing was he drove to the basket, got some of those layups, got some of those floaters. And I think that's what got him going. Yeah, I wonder if maybe what really separates, because you always hear these top 10 conversations, and it's like, this dude's top 10, this dude's top 12, this dude's top 11. And it's like, on any given night, Harden could be a top 10, top 8 player. But the thing that separates the truly elite Steph, KD, you know, Embiid, Jokic level, and, you know, like Embiid tonight had some his issues we'll talk about. But that high, high, high upper echelon, like even a bad night for Giannis is 30 and 15 kind of guy, is... Yeah being able to do it consistently every single game. And the Lakers are experiencing this with Anthony Davis right now. We're experiencing it with James Harden right now, where it's like one night he might be MVP caliber. The next night he might be like Derek White with no defense. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if we've ever seen somebody with such a high floor. I mean, with such a low floor and a high ceiling. I mean, yeah. like... As my guy Jason but that, on this, Twitter, dude, this um, wasn't him. This wasn't him in his like peak years. Like it's not like Harden would be like, oh, and like a, it, there would not be regular season Harden games when he was with the Rockets, where he'd be like, oh, Harden had twelve points and didn't really want to shoot. Yeah, I mean, we saw James Harden peak. James Harden like get his soul snatched by Jonathan Simmons and a young Dejounte Murray. I mean, like that's true. Like that's what happened in the playoff game. Like he had like twelve points. <laughs> Like, but not so in the regular just, season. Like when Harden was like an MVP candidate, it was because he was like a workhorse guard playmaker who was able to score in bunches every night. And I know yeah. the playoffs are the playoffs, and he's always score had his and playmake in, in bunches. I think that's that's yeah. that's the key. Like he did it all. <laughs> I just don't know what's how to feel about this. I don't even know how to feel about this win because it's like even when we were up like eleven, I w I was thinking you know this doesn't feel dominant. You know, we've had this weird playoffs where, especially in the, in the semifinals, 
a lot of these series have been trading blowouts. You know, like the Suns Nuggets game the other night was seven points, but in the Warriors Lakers game, it's like they're trading blowouts. The Knicks Heat thing is just ugly, and like yeah, they had that tight game over the uh, last weekend or whatever, but. You know, like for the most part, it just feels like these games are like trading body blows back and forth and uh, or trading knockout punches back and forth rather than getting down to the wire. And in the Sixers game, even when the Sixers were up double digits, I was like, this is like three Boston possessions away from being completely tied up or whatever. So I'm not getting ahead of myself. And I knew that run was coming. And it just seemed like, oh, Tatum is really stepping into this moment. This could be a signature Tatum game if he keeps going. And there's almost something like, pleasingly for us as Sixers fan democratic about that Celtics team where they're like, even though Tatum has this hot hand, they're just always going to swing it and look for the open guy, no matter who it is. So, you know, when I was watching this game in the first half, I felt like this was the best Sixer game that we've played the entire postseason. Really? And yeah. And the reason why is because, you know, when you watch the first three games of this series, it felt like we were playing at a Celtics pace. It felt like we, like the Celtics were able to run whenever they wanted. It felt like we we, we were playing their games in, in terms of, you know, getting into to, to transition, letting them get into transition and hit or like easy shots. And every time in transition, it just felt like the Celtics would get an easy look, whether that's a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a layup or, you know, a wide open three. And it felt like from, I'd say, the first two quarters up until like the last two minutes of the the first half, we were playing perfect basketball. Like James Hart didn't have a turnover at all. It was just like they it was like because I feel like we have an elite half court defense. But anytime we take a bad shot, we get a turnover and they're able to run, you're getting something good. And we had a, a, a pretty big lead until like the last two minutes of the second half and towards the end, I mean, the second quarter. And you saw them going at 7-0 run. I think we were up 16 and they went on that 7-0 run to close the first half. And that's when I was a little bit concerned. I just think if we're playing a slow pace game, because I think Embiid and Harden can score in the half court. Like, I, I really do. And I think we can, we can, we can match point for point with their offense. But... When we let them get into transition, we don't have a shot. And it just feels like we're just one run away from the game being over. So yeah, it's just I mean, like, it, I like it almost got out of control. Half. It almost got out of control in that fourth quarter where there was like the, basically a, a, a barrage of smart Brown, Brogdon, I think another smart three that essentially tied it up. And then the Celtics went up to as far as five points. And when it was five and Robert Williams and Blake Griffin are celebrating on the bench. I'm like, man, this might be it. This might be it for Harden. This might be it for Doc. This might be it for like a whole era of Sixers basketball, like in a lot of ways, like not officially, obviously there'd be more basketball to play, but I was like, we could be watching this whole chapter come to a close here. And instead the Sixers, like they fought back and to his credit, Harden fought back. And it was like, even when Embiid essentially was paying rent to Horford, for that entire fourth quarter and like could not get anything going against Horford at a certain point, they just would do the high pick switch, switch Harden onto Horford, you know, get, get Horford on Harden and then Harden would go to work and either get Embiid the pass on the roll or go to the, go to the rim. And I thought Harden was like great tonight with that, that sort of overhand floater that he does. I thought that they kind of mastered their fear of, 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 
of Horford as far as him being a, a rim protector for other players. Embiid had his own problems with him. And then there was a couple of plays where Embiid dragged Horford out of the paint as as like, you know, to, to go set the pick. And then Harden, if he could get bat past his man on the dribble, off the dribble was like, oh, I have nothing but a highway here. So it was like, as the game wore on for as much as Embiid was basically like in Horford's pocket, I felt like Hard, it, it benefited Harden in a weird way. Yeah. I, you know, it was frustrating at the end just because it felt like it felt like we were forcing the ball to Embiid. And it was just like the offense just was so slow and so stagnant that it was just like, we got to run something else. Yeah. And I felt like that late game offense from Embiid almost lost us the series. And then it's not like the way that, say, the Suns can play where, you know, if they've got these two perimeter players, these two perimeter score ma- scorers, these guys who can get their own shot, it's like Embiid's doing so much work to get a whistle right now and not yeah. really... I Look, I mean, it's probably the knee, but, I'm, you know, I was talking with our producer Cliff before we got started where I was just like, he just doesn't seem to be physically asserting himself at all. And I don't know whether yeah. that's like long-term Horford... PTSD or if it's like he just doesn't have the bounce from his knee so he can't really doesn't really feel like he has a first step and can get to the rim because everything seems like he's waiting for that first contact and then going down yeah and then when he does get a first step I mean they call some type of crazy charge call when you know someone flops in front of us like I mean it's just like that Marcus Smart call was just absolutely horrendous well, there was the smart call, and then there was the maxi call, the Tatum three, which I think if the Sixers had lost, probably would have been the huge talking point for Sixers fans. I mean, you would have said, oh, well, we collapsed and we gave it up to Boston, and Boston, we can't get past Boston. But we would have, nec- I think a lot of Sixers fans, and, and Doc Rivers especially, would have been like, we got robbed in that one. Because that was, you know, the, the, the Tatum, you know, he kept his arm close to his body, but he certainly threw his body into Maxi on that three pointer in the in the fourth. And yeah, that smart call. It's just like I don't know what a charge is anymore with this stuff. Yeah, I, like I, I think they need to revisit the whole charge call anyway. Like I, I just I'm not sure it should be in today's game. But you know that was a that was a block all the way. Um, it was a block so much that ESPN actually put the score. 113, 112 up on the scoreboard because they thought right. it was a block too. Um, the whole crowd, the crowd then, went nuts. They thought it was M1. Yeah. So, I mean, for them to review it and still get it wrong, I mean, it, it says everything about it. And then the following play, Jason Tatum pushed off. And I mean, Jason Tatum is always pushing off because he's just not an explosive athlete. Like, I mean, he's a good athlete, but he's not somebody who's typically going to blow past you. So, he needs to push it off. So, I mean, the fact that it was right in front of the ref and he didn't see it, it was just like, all right, they're trying to steal this series from, from us. But, it, I mean, miraculously, I mean, we were able to score in the next possession and then PJ gets the offensive rebound and get us a three-point play to tie the game up. Yeah, another, you know, um, there had been some talk about how if PJ Tucker doesn't pull the trigger on some shots, he's going to get benched for Melton. It kind of got That kind of happened in game three a little bit. He gets up nine threes, nine shots, but nine threes makes three of them. And you basically can't ask for anything better from him, man. Like if you're going to swing it to the corner and it's PJ, he's got to he's got to shoot it. And down the stretch, 
it's all the stuff that you can't see on a box score that probably turned the tide because there's in years past, I don't know if there's been a dude who will go up to Embiid and be like, what the fuck are you doing in the, in the the closing minutes of a Eastern conference semifinal game against Boston to have a dude go up to the, the guy just got awarded the MVP the other night and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Assert yourself is like a huge thing. Yeah, it definitely is. We we definitely haven't had that type of leadership on this team at all. Um, um, because this definitely wasn't coming from Ben's. I mean, outside of you know maybe Jimmy Butler. Um, I mean, if you want to know like how important it is, just look at the past couple of teams Jimmy that PJ Tucker's been on. Yeah, look what happened to the Bucks. Look what happened to Heat, and look what's happened in the Sixers. I mean, this dude does propel other professional athletes to unseen heights. Yeah, he he really does. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're talking a little bit about how a win makes you feel. And I, I guess I just don't really know whether or not, you know, you come out and you're tied up and this is going to be a long series. You know, like, do you have confidence? Is that like what happens? I mean, like this is now back to two, two. I mean, we, we, we got them. We protected the home court to, to, to some extent. Like this has been a split series right now. I mean, this, the, these teams know every move and counter move. I don't really know whether there's like another huge like tactical move coming from Missoula or a tactical move coming from Doc, it's pretty much like these guys got to go out and whoever makes the shots is, is going to get the series. But for some reason, I'm not feeling like ecstatic after winning. I'm, I feel more relieved than I do confident. I think I feel the same way. I, I think, I mean, you kind of have to feel relieved because we didn't close that that game out early. Like, that was a game that shouldn't have gone to clutch time at all. And it's like, when you look at their two wins in the series, they got easy wins. Yeah, like, they've they got to get they've got to get blowouts. I mean, there's a, there's a tweet that's going around right now from Boston Sports Info that in playoff games decided by plus or minus three points in the last two years, the Celtics are one and four. Wow. Yeah. So that's it's so like fascinating. But that's just basically like, do you, you know, if you can keep it close with the Celtics, you got to like your chances. I mean, when you look at, you know, the clutch ratings for this year in the postseason and um, they, NBA.com, they define clutch as the last five minutes of a game where the point differential was five or less. In the playoffs this year, the Sixers are three and one with the offensive rating of 152, defensive rating of 108. That's a net rating of plus 44. You look at the Celtics. They are three and four in clutch, clutch games this year. They have a net rating of minus nine point five in the postseason this year. So it's clear that we could win close, and we won two close games. Mm-hmm. Our t- the two games we won were close games. The two games that they won were blowouts. blowout. We're three, <laughs> so we're three, we're three point shooting contests, and that's what I was actually worried about in the fourth when they went up five. I was like. They're just gonna they're gonna shoot the lights out and they're gonna go up eight or eleven here and it's gonna be over because 
these guys just put up 45 to 53s a game and they're going to be they're, they're going to turn it into a math problem rather than a basketball game. And I was like, "Yo, this is this is probably how like you'll go back and you'll see Celtics by 11 or 15 or whatever." And it'll be because these threes in, in in short order in the fourth. But it's like we got that little bit of a turn in the tide. And like once you get it tight with the Celtics, you have a shot. But it's so funny because if you look at game three, we were down four. And if we were able to get that defensive rebound, like Maxi like had the ball. Smart knocks it out to Horford and he hits the three to put put them back up seven. But if Maxi gets that offensive rebound, we probably win game three. So it's just like the Celtics, they get tight in clutch time. And, you know, that was a game in which Harden and, and Maxi were 7-23 and 23 from the field. And we still had it within four with, you know, two minutes to go. So I think the perception of these teams is that the Celtics are that much better than the Sixers. I don't think that's the case. I think we're seeing that these are evenly matched teams. They're just very different. So it's hard to say like, oh, I mean, it, it, you're right. And it, they also, it, so far at least, the Celtics had six guys in double digits tonight. The Sixers had three. You know, like they, they are they are getting their victories in different ways. The Celtics are going to like, they'll take it from Brogdon. They'll take it from Smart. They'll take it from their big two. They'll take it wherever they can get it. The Sixers are a live or die team on their top two dudes. And now yeah. we're going into Tuesday night, game five, back in Boston, and Embiid and Harden just logged, uh, let's see, so Embiid played 46 minutes and Harden played 47 and a half minutes. Do you have any concerns about their legs? Because obviously Embiid was not, um, he was not exactly Wiley Coyote at the end of the game here. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if I have any concerns about their legs. I mean, when you look at the fact that Embiid, I mean, he had a, he had a lot of time off. <laughs> so it's just like to me I mean everybody is hurt at this time of the year I just need more from the supporting cat like that's that's my thing like yeah, I don't no, really zero points for Melton I think 14 for Maxi uh pretty much nothing burger Nyang game like it was there was no outstanding performance from our it from our depth other than PJ and PJ you wouldn't write a letter about that it was just like what we saw with our eyes like Tobias to me is capable of more. Like oh, when yeah. you look and actually, I mean, throughout this postseason, outside of the last two games, he's actually played well. When you look at the first six games of this postseason, he was averaging almost 15 shots a game and 19 points a game. We need, we're going to need a 15, 20 point game from Tobias in, in game five. That's or, right. Or we're going to, we're going to need 20 from Max. Like, one of those guys has to give us 20. Yeah, so Niang ends with nine. I think I had said earlier that, that Tucker attempted nine shots. He actually only attempted five. It was one for four from three. But honestly, like, I'll take 25% from three from him if he actually lets it go when he, when he gets the ball swung to him. And he had, yeah. like, you know, the biggest rebound of the game, essentially, or on that offensive board. Um Anything on the Celtics side of things that you wanted to talk about? Because we don't really spend much time talking about them. We joked about Missoula not calling timeouts. Um, I thought I thought we were spared because I was worried that Brogdon was going to turn into an NBA Jam player down the stretch there and getting it, Missoula bringing Derek White back in. I was happy about that as a Sixers fan. What are you, what are you seeing from the Celtics right now? Um, well, we were fortunate that Jalen Brown picked up two 
two fouls early, but then they left him er- they left him in the game, and we didn't attack Jalen Brown, and Jalen Brown was like kind of kept him in that game in the first half. I mean, I yeah. just that that was a, that was a disappointing thing for me because I just felt like we should attack Jalen Brown, you know, got him out of the game because I, I he was the only one who had it going. Um, and then, um, I have a I have a mutual friend with Jason Tatum. I probably uh-huh. didn't text this to the group chat. I think I texted this to Bill. Um, and I texted it to a couple of people. Tatum was out in Philly last night. I knew where he was. <laughs> I know what he was eating. I know what he was drinking. Was he doing clean eating? Was it was it like a nice white fish and maybe just like a brown rice or something like that? The food wasn't too bad. It was what it, it was the volume of drinks that he had. Um, Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you my know boy what? texted me last night. Like, yeah, I I I, I gave him about eight shots. So oh Sixers got God. this tomorrow. <laughs> Are we talking about com- the Philly flu? The Philly flu is back? <laughs> so then he comes out and he goes 0 for 8. And I'm like, I text my boy. I'm like, yo, what did you give him? Because it's yeah. working. <laughs> was it Jaeger shots? Or what was it? I don't want to say. I don't want to put him on blast. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that... Um, I you know Tatum obviously was heating up towards the end of the game, but like it's just the way the Celtics' way is to just distribute the ball around the the, the arc, and whoever is open is gonna get that shot. You you know but, what I'm gonna be honest with you though, I think see a lot of people are gonna say the Celtics have the edge going forward. I I don't know if that's the case. Like the Celtics were up five with two minutes to go and lost that game. Yeah, I think the Celtics got to be kicking themselves. They should have. This should be basically the series should be over. And then they lost the two clutch games in this series. Like I honestly, like more than ever, I think the Sixers. I would not be surprised if the Sixers won this series. I'll tell you games. what. I after having this conversation, I have more. I'm, I'm feeling more positive. I'm feeling better about this whole situation. I'll also say that the prospect of playing Jimmy Butler in the Eastern Conference Finals is not filling me with a a ton of like happiness right now. <laughs> um, but you know what though? I mean, sometimes you gotta face your demons. I sure. mean, we're and, doing and, it now. We yeah, certainly we're doing are doing it now. It. Like so, it's just like that's what it takes. I mean, like you look at the Phillies. I mean, Atlanta owned us last year. That's true. We we went out there and, 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 and dominated Atlanta, you know. So it's just like, and then like even those West Coast trips for the Phillies. I mean, for them to go out there, you know, and beat the Padres the way they did, it's just. I mean, sometimes you got to face your demons, and I just think that Miami team. I don't want to look ahead of Boston, but Miami. No, no, no. I'm not doing that at all. I'm just saying, like, it's just it. Even when you look, when you're like looking for sun rays of sunshine, you're like, oh, is that a storm cloud with Jimmy Butler's face on it? Cliff, what did you think of the game, man? Anything we missed? Man, y'all sound super, like, somber on here. I'm like, look, man, I, like, that was just insane to me, that victory right there. I thought, listen, there's some good things, there's some bad things. Obviously, I think Max is just, we, we talked about this beforehand. This is just not his series whatsoever. I thought Embiid down the stretch in the fourth quarter, clearly he, the knee is clearly bothering him. He even said it. In the post game presser, as because um, better saying the knee is bothering than it's saying Horford is Horford was is just locking like, me up, right? Yeah, but like <laughs> when, when Horford started blocking your shot, you know you got no lift. So yeah, like, if Hor- I, but Horford has him in Alcatraz. You know what I mean? Like he's got to see something. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. But like my thing was, I just like, am I tripping to think that there's an aggressive manner to James Harden where it's like if the first couple things don't work in the beginning of the game for him, it's just going to go all downhill from there. Like, like, what do y'all think about that? Because I don't know what I it think, is. 
I think that's the same for Embiid. I can sometimes tell Embiid is having a crappy night based on uh-huh. the first 10 minutes where he's like, if putting he's his hoping, head down. Yeah. 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 Head I, down, I agree with like, you. I definitely agree with you. I, I, I think, yeah, if he would have missed his first couple of shots, I think he would have went into passive mode and started overthinking. And he didn't do that tonight. Y'all, y'all think because uh, little baby showed up, you know, I mean, he had to show off for his boy tonight. Oh wait, we got to talk about the most important thing that happened tonight. Oh yeah, at yeah, least, yeah, yeah. At least as it relates to the Ringers Philly special, as people may or may not know, we got two Eagles fans and a Cowboys fan here. Raheem <laughs> oh. is somehow a Cowboys fan, <laughs> and I, I just want to get his take on Micah Parsons, the pride of Cowboy Nation, standing there courtside at a Sixers playoff game wearing a maxi jersey. I mean, I felt like he represented me well. <laughs> I mean, you sent that text and said, you know, um, what, what did the text that Cliff sent? There was the center of the Venn diagram for our podcast. The, the yeah. yeah. Was Michael yeah, Parsons like, wearing I, I a Maxi like it, jersey? Like, that should be, like, our photo. <laughs> for. <laughs> the, <laughs> I think, uh, no, I think it's because Maxie's a Cowboys fan. And obviously, Parsons is, you know, the best player on the Cowboys. And then Parsons is from Harrisburg, PA. So he likes the Sixers, too. So it's just, like, a weird combination of how those both those worlds collide so he dapped them up before the game was like yo what's good i got your jersey so i guess you know we definitely need to now. do a little bit more i like, didn't know maxi was a cowboys fan that's crazy so he's from he's from dallas so he's a cowboys fan yeah oh shoot you know you know alan iverson was a cowboys fan too the, the i always tell people the best people in the world and i know it's a philly podcast but the <laughs> get best on, people get in the world look at the cowboys fan alan iverson Andre 3000, Raheem Palmer, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Yo, there's a spe- – Chris, what do you make of Cowboys fans that are from Philly, though? Like, I don't even know what to think of that. I, I honestly I, – I don't want to insult Raheem personally. It's <laughs> no, it's all nice good. It's all good. Other. You can't. I, I'll take the heat. <laughs> it's always like some random thing where it was just like, I just grew up and they were good, man. They were good when I was growing up. It's like, when have the Eagles not been good? There was like a few years of Rich Kotite. We've been decent like most of the other time. It's like Ray Rhodes was bad, but like you, there's no excuse to not be an Eagles fan as far as I'm concerned. When I first started watching football, you like Ray Rhodes was coaching. So? Just stick it out for a couple of years. Say, yo, the Eagles have had a good track record for the last... Damn, they're 20 years plus. I, so I wasn't rooting for Bubby Brister over Troy Aikman <laughs> and, and Emmett Smith. What about McNabb? What about Vic? What about... Yeah, what about T.O.? Like, <laughs> even Wentz. Like, I'm not going to lie. Vic almost had me like converting. Like I'm fortunate to know um, Kiafa. Um, she yeah. had the store Pink Elephant. So yeah. I DJed at her store a couple times. Um, my old DJ mentor, DJ Active... Um, he was like really cool with them. So I was really cool with them. And like, you know, Kiafa, um, yeah. it was all in the f- same friend circle. Um, shouts to Carmina. She like does PR for them, did PR for a lot of the Eagles. So I just was, I, I felt connected to them, but I just couldn't let go of my childhood. <laughs> it was too late. It was too late by then. Yeah, but it anyway, was too late by then. But anyway, like, who would have to move to the, like, who of the Sixers, like if Embiid went to the Celtics, would you start being a Celtics fan? No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm completely, my fandom is just locked into the city and the teams. I'm not yeah, locked man. into like, I'm I a was, fan of. I was cheering for like, not cheering for, but I was, I was there for Jeff Hornacek coming in for Barkley, man. Like if you <laughs> oh, think I'm man. giving up now, you gotta be out of your mind, man. <laughs> right. Like I root for certain players. Like Plus Chris you know, you yeah. know, Raheem wishes he could be cheering for Jalen Hurts right now. Right. Like, it's, it, it's a, it's a huge mistake on his part. Exactly. I, I, I wish I, I wish I was too, too, like, I honestly like. And there's a few things that make me not want to be a Cowboys fan. 
Um, but it's just too late. It's so embedded in my childhood. It's like, it's like not rooting for. I can't even give a good example, but it's just it's it's my childhood. Yo, real quick, what do y'all think happens? Uh, happens next game, game five in Boston. It is Meek Mill birthday, so be on the lookout for that. We might not know where Harden is before that plane departs tomorrow. So well, you- apparently, uh, Jason Tatum loves going out and howling at the moon before big playoff <laughs> games, man. Um, I think that... Look, I, I don't think you would lose money by betting on like a big Boston win. Right. I, I feel like they're poised for one, too, unfortunately. I, I, I just feel it coming. I don't know why. Raheem, what you think? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm... My my first initial read is that I mean you can kind of I'm kind of done with sides like betting sides in this series just because I I don't I don't think you can trust anybody at this point I don't think you can trust Joe Mazzulla I don't think you can trust James Harden I don't think you can trust Jason Tatum like everybody is due for a stinker but the one thing I can trust is that this Boston offense is going to score points so I do like the the team total over one ten and a half um it's just a matter of can the Sixers keep up with. Um, but I have a feeling, I I don't know what it is. It's kind of a gut feeling that I would not be surprised if the Sixers won this series in six games. I I just, I I don't know what it is. And I'm not, I'm not telling you to bet this. I'm not betting it, but it's just something about the way the Celtics are losing these close games that if you get another close game in game five, we could wrap this thing up in six. Um, and I, I just, the way the Celtics team has played all year they play down in their competition. Um, they've messed around. And at some point, you have to ask, are they good enough to get it done? Um, That's the thing is I do think that most – we would have to listen to Brian Barrett. We would have to listen to Bill and Ryan tonight. But I bet most Celtics fans are not feeling – they're probably feeling as down on their team right now as we were feeling on our team uh, after game three. You know what I mean? Where you're just like, yeah. damn, dude. How's he? How's that? What we come out with in the fourth and the, the, the in overtime? Um, all right, we can wrap it up there. We can come back Tuesday. Oh, one, one more thing. Shout out to my guys, Corey Towns. He was like, "Yo, Vegas might be too far. We might have to send Hart into Atlantic City." So I'm putting the offer out there. I got a um, I got a seven stars card at Caesar. I bet I bet a lot of money at Caesars <laughs> last year. Um, you can get a seven stars companion cards so if anybody put the, the word out why the heart why don't you need say, a hotel room hey james Harden, you wanna why don't you go just get get your beauty sleep let's drink some bone broth let's recuperate from playing 47 minutes not go to atlantic city with with dudes come on <laughs> i mean that might be the way that he recuperate it just yeah you're it right seems like this is vegas heart and just needs to just be around some strippers <laughs> Uh, All right, guys, it was great to talk to you. Uh, Go Sixers. I'm sorry if I sounded depressed. It's just probably like, I'm just, I don't know how to enjoy a win, I guess. Uh, We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday night. Thanks for listening.